listening to Best Served Cold, a Born Millennials podcast. The Australian true crime podcast where we drink wine and talk about crime. Formerly Egypt's 36th most popular true crime podcast, hosted by Tama J and Laura Lease. Sit down, relax, grab a drink and enjoy this week's episode. Hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to our second episode of On The Rocks, our little bonus episode. We talk about... Uh, some smaller cases that didn't quite make the cut for the main show. If you're new around here, welcome. We hope you Sorry, enjoy. I was just, I was just, <laughs> it was the worst. I, took, I was taking a sip of a drink as you paused. Uh, yeah, welcome to the show. Um, so this is like, like Laura said, just cases that you guys have suggested or that we found that were just not particularly too long or Detailed holding enough, details. Guess, yeah, yeah. Um, Just ones that sort of... Still deserves some coverage, but just maybe less time. And it's perfect for this little On The Rocks show. Just a little sidecar of a drink for you guys. Yeah. Um, so, I reckon we just jump right on in. It. Who's going first? Um, I, just, I guess before that, just make sure you check out our socials at the BSC podcast. Um, all things social. And our main episode comes out on yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. And this episode will come out on Fridays, every single Friday. Hmm. I'll go first. Go for it. Fire away. Fire away. So I wanted to talk about a professional wrestler who mostly wrestled within the WWF, the World Wrestling Federation. Um, A little thing about me, I grew up watching WWF and WWE my entire childhood. It was one of my like favorite things to watch. And we have a a cat in the room right now who's meowing. So if you hear a cat, it's Pi. Say hello to Pi. Because Pi is saying hello to you. Um, yeah, so growing up, wrestling was a big thing in my sort of family. Or not my family, my my just my entertainment growing up. I just really liked it. Um, so this kind of story was a bit interesting to me. That just sort of gravitated towards me. It's funny because wrestling plays a really disappointing part in my childhood. When I'd listen, I'd watch The Simpsons every Sunday morning. They'd do like... Eight episodes in a yeah, row, the and then they'd yeah. play wrestling after it. That was so that would signal that when I'd be waiting for the next Simpsons yeah. episode, and it would be wrestling, I'd be like, God "That would damn be it. my favorite day ever when they did that." I loved that because I loved the Simpsons marathons, and then the, it, then the WWE was on. I was like, "That's this is perfect." Anyway, um, so I wanted to talk, talk about Owen Hart, who was a wrestler who passed away in um, nineteen ninety nine. And this was sort of before I was really into it because at the, at the stage I was probably like fucking four, whatever. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was I always knew it as like a pretty tragic story. And um, Owen Hart himself is a very you know uh, well known wrestler. He was a Canadian pro- prof- professional wrestler, as I said. He was mostly wrestling within the. WWF, the World Wrestling Federation. He also fought in the WCW, which is World Championship Wrestling. He was a member of the well-known Hart wrestling family who, uh, if you know anything about wrestling, you know Bret the Hitman Hart is one of the most famous wrestlers of all time and also part of the notorious Hart family, which was, um, I believe, was a family of 12 children who were all born to... um, Two parents who were like uh, wrestling instructors, right? So, like, basically, all the kids became fucking professional wrestlers. Um, so when when um, 
Owen Hart actually debuted in the WWF. He didn't debut as Owen Hart himself as Bret Hart's um, younger brother who was mm-hmm. in the WWF at the time as well. He debuted as this different character they called the Blue Blazer. So they gave him a gimmick. And if you know anything about wrestling, they typically give you a gimmick. You have like a, um, a persona or, you know, something about you that's interesting. His gimmick was that he was a masked superhero due to his acrobatics and high-flying fighting style. Uh, and sometime during his career, the gimmick was dropped and Owen began fighting as himself. This is the debut of Owen Hart as the now notorious, you know, Hart family. Around 1999, Bret Hart left the WWF for the WCW and the WWF wanted to create a storyline for Owen where he supposedly leaves WWF as well and quits. This led to the return and resurgence of the Blue Blazer character who, despite very obviously being Owen Hart, during interviews would be like, I'm not Owen Hart. I'm the Blue Blazer. I have no idea who Owen Hart is. Right. Um, the character was had been transformed and this sort of plays into what that is. The character was transformed from being a like a superhero, masked superhero guy to being a self-righteous, um, kind of like pompous idiot. Uh, okay. And there's these two terms. So there's babyface and heel. Babyface is a wrestler who is loved by the audience, who's like a good guy, and um, they they want to see him succeed. And a heel is a villain. People, right. but someone who people don't like. So they created him to be a heel. He was just this sort of bumbling buffoon of a superhero who was a bad guy. Okay. Um, so this came uh, in the 1990, 1999 sort of era. So this was during um, the Attitude Era of 1999, uh, sorry, in WWF, which um, the Attitude Era was when WWF and WCW were fighting for ratings. Um, WWF became a new sort of show with um, a bit more adult themes, a lot more blood, a lot more violence, a lot more cursing. And this saw wrestlers like Stone Cold Steve Austin who would bash beers over his head and drinking. Right. Like this saw like a new era. And his thing was sort of being like, this is disgusting. I'm a superhero. I'm a super self-righteous superhero. Right. Uh, so on the 23rd, of 19, 23rd of May, 1999, the began the Over the Edge pay-per-view held in Kansas City. So they had the typical show like uh, Monday Night Raw, but they had also pay-per-views, which were like big, spectacular events. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Blue Blazer had a match on this pay-per-view against the, the wrestler, The Godfather. Now, the Blue Blazer had an entrance gimmick of being lowered down from the rafters via a harness and a grapple line. He'd done this l- repelling thing a few times, but part of the gimmick was to play in with the buffoonish nature of the blue blazer, he was meant to be lowered down for dramatic effect just above the ring level. And when in position, he would act like he's tangled up um, and unable to release the harness and then accidentally pulling the harness and falling flat in his face, like about, you know, just a, a, like a meter or so from the ring. Mm-hmm. Un, not harmful. Um, this was different to his usual one where I think he was lowered down the ramp leading up to the ring where he's just lowered onto it. Right. Um, so this particular stunt had only, had only been performed a few times um, and it required the use of a quick release mechanism. Uh, this particular time, something seemed to go wrong with the harness. And as a result, while being lowered down, Hart had accidentally released too early and fell 78 feet, which is 24 meters Jesus. from the rafters, landing chest first onto the top rope of the ring, flinging him violently into the ring. According to Hart's now widow, Martha, she thinks Owen must have been moving around in the harness 
while trying to get comfortable while wearing his cape in the process, accidentally triggering the early release system. The audience saw the entire thing unfold, though, as this was a pay-per-view event televised, instead of showing the fall, they quickly cut to a pre-taped interview that they filmed moments before the match with the Blue Blazer. Hart was taken to Truman Medical Center in Kansas City, where several attempts were made to revive him, though unfortunately he did die from his injuries, which were due to internal bleeding from blunt force trauma. He died at the age of 34, leaving behind a wife and two children. Um, so they, the chairman of the WWF at the time, who still kind of is, I think, um, Vince McMahon, he had to make the decision of should we release this pay-per-view? And ultimately he did, um, but they cut out, obviously, mm. everything to do with Owen Hart. And at the very start of the pay-per-view was a tribute to Owen Hart. Um, and the next Monday Night Raw that came on, they typically had this tagline of war is raw. Mm. Uh, w- yeah, raw is war. Um, they changed it for this one to be raw is Owen, just as a Aww. tribute to him. Nice. Um, he was a very, very talented wrestler, part of the you know the very famous wrestling family, the Hart family. Um, a very tragic end and really something that was just so fucking unnecessary to mm. do um, something as silly as that, especially when it's only been done a couple of times. Yeah. Um, just really was unnecessary. Um, so the actual footage of him falling to his death has been locked away in a vault with orders to not destroy it, not to duplicate it, and not to watch it. So um, there's absolutely no footage you can find of the fall, which is, I think, for the best. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, d- I wouldn't want to see that. I don't, I don't think anyone who isn't part of the family or part of the WWF needs Would to see it. That, yeah, um, being seen. Yeah. So I think, I, I think if, you know, if there's anything to sort of take from that, I think it's better that it happened on a pay-per-view than on an actual televised, you know, fucking um, typical Monday Night Raw where it's like a sort of free thing rather than a pay-per-view event. Yeah. Where people actually had to pay for it or... Um, but unfortunately, the audience at the time who were there did have to witness this happening. So there, there is that. But anyway, um, the legacy of Owen Hart lives on today. He's just one of the most prolific wrestlers of all time. And, um, as I said, part of the Hart family. So he will always be remembered. And it's just a tragic story, really. Mm. And that's that. Wow. Mm. That's really sad. It's very sad, yeah. Um, like you said, he left behind children, which is always not a good thing. But um, his his wife uh, won a successful wrongful death lawsuit against the company. Um, so, you know, that is something, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, that's the story. What do you got for us, Laura? So, okay. So, I'm covering one that was a, that's a weird one that's like a little bit too short to go on the main episode, but yeah. maybe like a little bit too long to have gone on this episode. So we'll see how long this takes. Cool. So for reference, I usually do like five or six pages of notes and this is like two and a half pages of notes. So I'm going to be talking about uh, Nancy Doss, a.k.a. Nanny Doss, who is also known as the Giggling Granny, the Lonely Hearts Killer, the Black Widow or Lady Bluebeard. Okay. So Nanny Doss, whose birth name is Nancy Hazel, was born November 4th, 1905. She was one of five children with three sisters and one brother, and she was born into a family of farmers in Alabama. So as with many poorer families at this time, Nancy didn't get much schooling. The schooling she did have was sporadic, and then she got pulled out when she was 
quite young because her father was a very controlling and abusive man, but also needed all the children out of school to work on the farm. So at age seven, while traveling via train, the train came to a very sudden stop and Nancy was kind of propelled forward and hit her head on the metal bar in the seat in front of her. So after this, for many years, she would suffer severe headaches as well as sporadic blackouts and sort of severe bouts of depression as well. As a child, one of her favorite hobbies was to read her mother's uh, romance and fashion magazines, in particular the Lonely Hearts section. So for those who don't know what a Lonely Hearts section is, it was essentially single people would write into this column and be like, hi, I'm Laura, I'm single, ready to mingle. Yeah. And then you would respond via letters. Please love they me. they didn't have yeah. email back then. They didn't have chat rooms or... So Nancy had a fairly sheltered childhood. Her father believed that any forms of makeup or nice clothes would attract pedophiles, and so he didn't allow any of his daughters to wear nice things or dress up. Despite this, Nancy had her first marriage at the age of 16 to a man called Charlie Braggs, who she met, they worked at the same factory together that she had a part-time job at. And after only four months of dating with her father's approval, they were married and went on to have four daughters together, Gertrude, Zelma, Florine and Melvina. Right. Very old school names. Very old school names. However, marriage wasn't a happy one with both spouses cheating on each other constantly. Nancy began to drink heavily, eventually sinking into severe alcohol and nicotine addiction. So in 1927, two of Nancy's children died. Zelma on August 30th, 1927 and Gertrude less than a month after that on September 25th. Both children were perfectly healthy and died suddenly. This was put down to suspected food poisoning, but shortly after this, Charlie took one of the remaining uh, two children and fled. So he left Nancy with their last daughter, Florine, as well as his own mother, who had insisted on living with the couple even after they had been married. Right. So shortly after Charlie left, his mother also passed away. Charlie and Nancy were divorced, and in 1929, she met her second husband, Frank Harrelson, who was another, you know, alcoholic, abusive, cheating, lovely man. Yep. So they met via a Lonely Hearts column, and they sent letters back and forth before meeting in person, and their marriage ended up lasting for 16 years. In 1943, uh, one of Nancy's remaining living daughters, Melvina, gave birth to Nancy's first grandson, and in 1945, the second grandson was born, but he died shortly after Melvina gave birth to him. Now, Melvina has sworn that as Nancy held her brand new grandchild, she was the first person that held him when he came out uh melvina swears that she saw nancy discreetly press a large hat pin through the baby's skull into its brain when questioned melvina's husband told her that nancy had told them that the baby was born dead and the doctors were never able to explain the newborn's passing shortly after this nancy was babysitting the first child of melvina's and after they'd had a particularly nasty fight Melvina returned home to find her son Robert had died doctors listed his death as asphyxia from unknown causes two months later the life insurance policy that Nancy had taken out on her grandson Robert came through and Nancy collected the $500 payout Hmm. still married to her husband Frank the uh, country celebrated Japan's surrender in World War II in 1945 a heavily intoxicated Robert came home after a night of revelry and forced himself upon nancy so to this nancy responded by finding his homemade corn whiskey which he had buried in the backyard because apparently that was how you used to 
store, like moonshine, homemade moonshine. Okay. And she laced it with rat poison. Okay, that'll and do it. And around a week after this, obviously taking drinks of it every night, Robert died. Like her grandson, Nancy had taken out a life insurance policy on Frank and with this money, she bought a plot of land and a house near Jacksonville. Her next husband, she again met through the Lonely Hearts column in 1952 and they were married after knowing only after only knowing each other for three days. Arlie Lanning was like her husband before, a drinking womanizer, and so when he mysteriously died, doctors attributed his death to heart problems from his excessive drinking. Soon after this death, their house mysteriously burned to the ground and Nancy again collected a nice sum on the insurance payout. She was remarried to a man called Richard Morton after meeting him through a dating service called the Diamond Circle Club. He also routinely cheated on Nancy yet again. However, Nancy is initially too busy to notice or care about his cheating because in 1943, her mother falls and gravely injures her hip, meaning that she requires a constant carer. Right. After Nancy returns home agreeing to care for her mother, her mother mysteriously dies. And then one of her sisters, just after having seen Nancy a few days after, also dies. While all of this has been happening, Nancy has been too busy dealing with her husband's wandering eyes. But after the death of her mother and sister, she returns home. And shortly after returning home, Richard mysteriously dies after only having been married to Nancy for three months. So Nancy's final husband was a man called Samuel Doss, which is where her name Nanny Doss comes from. Samuel was neither abusive nor a cheater nor an alcoholic. He was simply a committed uh, Nazarene priest who encouraged Nancy to not fill her head with useless romance magazines. He was like, woman, read an actual book for once, right. basically. She responded to this by feeding him a prune cake laced with rat poison. She likes the rat poison. She loves the rat poison. Samuel spent a month in hospital recovering, during which time doctors tried to sort of figure out what had been wrong with him. They put it down to a digestive tract infection. However, the the police are like, nah, she, yeah, this she did it, but we can't prove it. Yeah. So once he had recovered after a month in hospital and returned home, he was then fed poison-laced coffee and died shortly after returning home from the hospital. But this is where she made a mistake. So doctors and police kind of already knowing what she'd done and just needing the proof. Yeah. Uh, when she tries to collect on the two life insurance policies she'd taken out on Samuel, they're like, we have to do an autopsy. So they finally do an autopsy and the coroner finds huge amounts of arsenic in his body. And finally, in 1954, Nanny Doss is arrested. Soon after her initial arrest, she confesses to the murder of four of her five husbands. However, after her initial confession, she gives police enough evidence to exhume past family members who they also suspected her of killing, and all of them are found with enormous amounts of arsenic or rat poison in their bodies. Sheesh. However, Nancy is never formally charged with any of the deaths of the family members or children's murders. Doss blamed her murderous escapades on the brain injury that she'd suffered when her head hit the metal rail in the train and journalists gave her the nickname the giggling granny because every time she would tell the story of how she killed her husband she would laugh when asked why she'd killed her husband she stated it wasn't for the money it was simply they weren't good enough and she was looking for the perfect mate so she was like i'm just going to keep going through them until i find the perfect yeah mate. because that makes sense makes sense yeah 
So Nanny Doss eventually dies of cancer in prison in 1964 while serving a life sentence after being saved from the death penalty because of her gender. Right. And that is the story of Nanny Doss. Well, that's one way to do it. If your relationship isn't working out and you want to get out of it, just, you know, Chris Watts it. Full reset. Yeah, so it's it's pretty much suspected that she killed around 12 people. Yeah, including children and grandchildren. Yeah. yeah, that's fucked up. So they think that she killed her daughter, Zelma, her daughter, Gertrude, um, Melvina's unnamed baby, her grandson, Robert, her husband, Frank, uh, her mother, Dovey, her sister – oh, sorry, her sister, Dovey, her mother-in-law, uh, Sarah Lanning, her husband, Arlie Langing, her mother, Louisa Hazel – her fourth husband, Richard, and her fifth husband, Samuel. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's a, that's quite a tally. Yeah. Jeez. Creepy. That's the story of Nanny Doss, the giggling granny. There you go. That's not a good name as well. That's like, that's terrifying. Super creepy. Yeah, hey? very creepy. That's like, a, that's like a horror movie waiting to happen. And she's got this weird... Um, I don't know how to describe it. Like when you see photos of her, it's almost like this childlike quality about her. Um, right. Like there's all these photos of her with this big grin on her face laughing and I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. It's like this almost childlike quality to her. Like you can maybe tell that she's not quite all there. Yeah. I get, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think it's, um, it's hard to tell with cases that are this like sort of long ago, but um, a lot of it does seem to stem from like being raised and growing up as like someone who probably didn't really get to experience like their own childhood. Yeah, well, like, she didn't really have a life. Yeah, by... like she wasn't allowed out of the house we're wearing certain clothes or makeup. Like it just seems like, yeah, I don't know, something sort of ha- must have happened in that period of the time. Mm. Cause you see it a lot with like even recent cases, like very strict parents sort yeah. of leading, not to say like being a strict parent is going to lead your kid to become a serial killer, but like, you know, yeah, it definitely is a bit of a, just don't be horrible to your kids. Yeah. There then you go. Just raise your kids as the best you can. It's all you can do. Yeah. Well, I think that probably... That's it. That's it that's for it. this week's On The Rocks. Yeah, it's just a little little teaser. And then, you know, you get the full package on Mon- on Wednesday, not Monday. I'll give you a full package. Oh, wow. Well, okay. Oh, hey. Oh. 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 <laughs> but thank you for listening. Uh, make sure you, if you listen to us on Apple, we would love it if you could leave us a nice little review. It helps us in terms of how we chart. Mm-hmm. And you can follow us on our socials at the BSC Podcast. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. TikTok, yeah. Everything, basically, that you would need to follow us on. Yeah, anything that you could possibly want to follow us on. Yeah. Um, and that's it from that's us. It. Yeah, we'll that's catch it. you on Wednesday. We do a short we do a, we do bye a for a short, short episode. Bye. bye.